What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the She's Unoffendable podcast, where that she is me, your host, Rebecca Hamilton. I'm a law of attraction expert, an alignment life and business coach, a speaker, a realtor, and a soon-to-be published author. I love to help people bridge the energetic gap between where they are and where they want to be so that they can live the life that you've like dreamed of. To find out more about me or how we can maybe work together, you can check out my website at www.she'sunoffendable.com. You can also find me on Instagram at She's Unoffendable. Okay, y'all, let's get started. All right. So, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the She's Unoffendable podcast. Um, Today, I'm super excited because I am doing my very first, my inaugural episode of interviewing amazing in my mind, unoffendable, badass women that um, are doing big things. So Danielle Mills is with me today, and she's amazing. Um, She's a retired professional tennis player and the founder and CEO of Headstrong um, LLC, which is a mindset and mentorship company. And she also has the Headstrong podcast, which I was super excited to be on recently. So if you haven't checked that out, um, there's going to be a lot more about her in the show notes. So you'll be able to find her and check out her stuff, which is pretty amazing. So welcome. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for having me on. It's just such an honor to be here. And I feel really special that I'm the first one. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, what's funny is that you sparked this the other, like the other day when we were talking, when I was on your podcast and you were like, you know, you could do that. And I was like, oh, and then it was just like, okay, boom, boom, boom. You'll be the first one. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm so excited to be here and to get a chance to talk to your listeners because I've learned so much from you. And just from you coming on my podcast, I've really kind of embraced some of the things that you've said and started doing them. And they've really made a big impact on my life. So I'm just like excited for the listeners to get to know you better and like benefit from you. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So tell us about you though. Like, Give me the story because you have a pretty amazing story. So tell me how we got here today. Well, how did we get here today? <laughs> like, uh, like Rebecca said, I was a professional tennis player for about 12 years. I started playing tennis when I was two years old. My parents knew basically even before I was born that that was what I was going to do. So like, imagine like my whole life was kind of framed to do that. And, you know, it was, it was crazy because all that practice and work and things that I did really transferred well. So when I did end up retiring, I actually had um, double knee surgery and I was never really the same after that. And I always knew that I was a really positive person, but I didn't really know like how I could take that and turn it into something, but just through retiring. And then I kind of started in real estate thinking that's what I wanted to do, but it wasn't really my passion. And then I realized my passion was helping people reach their full potential by having a positive mindset and like what I like to call a champion's mindset. So I created Headstrong, which is my company, like Rebecca said, that basically mentors people to live a life of positivity and have a really positive mindset. And then that helps them unleash like their potential. And through doing that, it's been so rewarding. But by way of that, like that's one facet of it. And then there's another facet just based on everything that's going on with like COVID-19 I really saw an opportunity to kind of take some of my experience from kind of being at a, at a pretty high level on like the, the corporate side of things and also my experience through interviewing and networking and LinkedIn to kind of create a whole area around that. And then I wrote a book about LinkedIn to kind of help people who may have been laid off 
or they're trying to find a new job or just they need to brand themselves to be noticed. And then that's kind of an, underneath the umbrella of, of Headstrong, there's a kind of a career resource there as well. So those are kind of the two things that I play with and it's just been awesome. Oh yeah, that's like amazing. And I think you told me you, you like, you were so focused writing your book. You were just like, boom, 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 boom. And you got yeah. it done and uh, put it out there. And it was like number one on Amazon. It was, it was pretty cool. Yes. Um, writing a book was something that was always on my bucket list because I knew like, and I, I don't know if you've ever th thought this way. You're like, I want to write a book, but I want to achieve more first. You know, like I want to do more because I wanted it to be like, you know, an autobiography, which is going to come in the future. But I just saw an opportunity and it was really my dad. He was the one that said, hey, you know, you're consulting with these people on LinkedIn. Maybe you should write a book and get it out fast. This is the time to capitalize. This is the time that people need that. You can help people. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what caused me to take, you know, massive action and just start. And literally for, for about three, three to three and a half, four weeks every day after my day job, after my business, I was spending like three to four hours just writing and writing. And I'm not a good writer in the sense that I didn't like writing in school. Like I wasn't, I was the person that would be double spacing my, my essays so that I would have longer <laughs> papers and <laughs> <laughs> so, so this was re really new to me. I mean, a lot of people that write books get a ghostwriter and do that whole thing. I truly wrote the whole thing myself. And then with the help of an editor who fixed a lot of my grammatical issues, but it, it was really, I was really proud of myself to do that, but it all came down to like not stopping and using this time of being quarantined to focus and, and focus on that. So that was really important to me. That's a big deal. I mean, I think that that is something I, I'm pretty sure everybody in the world has been like, I should write a book. And then actually sitting down and you and I had this conversation of just like actually sitting down, I'm still in the middle of putting my book together. And yeah, it's a lot, it's very grueling when it's your own, you know, you're not doing the ghostwriter thing and you're really, and that's not to knock the ghostwriter thing, but if you're not going that route, it is a totally different, I mean, and it's kind of cool because you can take, you can take, you know, credit for everything that, that is in there. So it's, that's kind of neat. So tell me about, okay, so you're a tennis player. How old are you when you're doing tennis and then you decide, cause you're still, I mean, very young. So it's not like you're, I you look know, younger old, than like, I am. you're not like old, like me, girl. you're like really no. young. <laughs> You're so funny. No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting very, very abundantly close to 30. I'm like midway through 29, but you're asking what, how old was I when I uh, retired? Yeah. Um, like how old were you when you retired? I was turning 23, I think 20, turning 23. Yeah. So it was, I'll tell you the story about how I retired and it's a little crazy because I had already probably like six to seven months before I knew I was going to retire. I didn't tell anybody, but I already had the idea of like, mm, this isn't going to work anymore because I was on this kind of schedule and I was doing these tours and traveling all over the world, but my body was hurting bad. And I think as an athlete, we deal with a lot of um, dealing with pain. Yeah. And a lot of times you're just dealing with being uncomfortable and that's one aspect, but then there's other times where you're truly like in a ton of pain and you're just dealing with it because everybody around you is dealing with it. So you feel bad to like, speak up about it or to say, you know, Hey, this is really bad. But at that point, my body was so broken down for just from training so many years and just having the, the knee surgery 
that I knew I'm like, I, I was 23 ish. I was like, I know I can't do this for too much longer. Like, and mm -hmm. as a 23 year old, uh, female, imagine like if you were 23 years old, but you had never had a, an interview in your life. You never had a normal job in your life. Like these are some things that a lot of athletes think about when they hit those age range, age milestones. And then they're like, what do I do now? And then they start panicking. And then they probably go into like coaching because they think, okay, that's safe. I can do that. But like, I knew I didn't want to be a coach. So that's when, you know, my mind was kind of all over the place there. But I did know that I was not going to be playing that much longer. Nobody else knew that. My parents didn't know that. But I knew that I was probably going to be stopping and I actually retired on impulse like I played a match against two really young girls they were like 15 and at that time I was like 23 and it was like a match that I was supposed to win and I ended up losing and just mentally and everything I just like I was like I'm done so looking back on it it was totally on impulse but I'm so glad that I did because yeah. the very next week I did my real estate course and did that whole week-long thing and I had, I had taken myself into like a whole nother industry then. And it was so crazy for everybody around me because they were like, what, you're really done? Like, what do you, what do you yeah. mean? So that was a big abrupt shift. And I know like you can relate to that. Like when you experience like an abrupt shift, but you know, it's right. And everybody else is like, what are you doing? But you're like, no, this is what I need to do. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so glad that I did because it gave me a jump start on kind of where I am now, but I could literally still be on the tour kind of spinning my wheels, but not reaching my success and my potential. So I'm really glad that I did retire. <laughs> Even yeah, though I love the idea of being able to change your mind and the idea of being able to let go. Like there's so many of us that go, well, I've been doing it for so long that I need to hold on. Like I need to get all of, and it's like, so how do you think you, I mean, obviously it was like this gradual thing, kind of what you're saying, like your body hurt, you knew it was coming. I can relate a little bit to that, not because I've ever been an athlete, let's just be honest, but, um, but my son was, you know, and he went through a similar yeah. thing with people going, you need to keep going and him going, no, you know. So, and I think it's really brave to walk away from things like that. Like, I think that takes bravery to go, no, I want to do my life. Like, I want to be in control of it. And kind of like, how did you manage for people that are listening that have those other people's expectations that are kind of, you know, weighing in on them. They think they're battling with what they should do and what life is supposed to look like. Like, how do you, how did you get the mindset that let you at 23 years old go, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a really great point. Um, what I really trusted in was the fact that I knew that if I put the right effort and preparation into anything that I was going to get results, but I'm the type of person where if I'm going to do something, I don't tell, I don't broadcast my, um, I don't broadcast my plans until they're completed. Like I'm one of those people that moves in silence. So while I was retiring from tennis and I abruptly went into like a real estate, like this is what I'm going to do. Cause I, I really thought that I was going to be really successful in real estate because, you know, I knew my aunt who was really successful and we had a similar personality. So I was like, we're similar. And she's the only person I knew like outside of playing sports that was doing something cool in my opinion. I'm like, I got to do what she's doing in order to get there. I got to pass this test. So like I literally engulfed myself in that, but I didn't share it with a soul. Like nobody knew what I was doing. Even my parents, like, I think I told them, but it was light. Like I didn't really share it because I also don't like going into something 
with everybody else's expectations and thoughts mm-hmm. on me, I prefer to just, I prefer to like complete it and then tell everybody about it. You know, like I, that's how I've been with everything I do. And that kind of goes along with what, what you speak about often, which is not just like manifesting, but like when you're truly like going through like scenarios in your head about where you want to see yourself and being really detailed about it. And then it actually ends up happening. It's because like, you're not sharing that with the world. It's for yourself. And I feel like for those that are listening, like if you want to make a change or if you want to do something new, put your head down and get the work done, but don't tell everybody about what you're going to do while it's happening. Because let's say it doesn't happen. Then everybody's going to look and say, oh, well, you just said that, but it didn't. So I keep things to myself, but then I just do the work. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I think that like being able to release the outcome and that's something that took me i mean you know it now um it took me some years to figure out that i could move really quickly towards something without having to see that at the end if that makes sense like and it also gives you the ability i feel like if you're not broadcasting it to the world that like hey if i need to shift if i need to if i feel inspired Like, how do you, you know, I mean, and and how does inspiration work in your life? Like, are you, do you feel like you catch inspiration? Do you feel like you work off of inspiration? Where is inspiration for you? That's a really great question. So for me, inspiration comes from my mentors and it comes from people that I look up to. And I talk about this a lot, that a lot of the mentors I have in life are people that I've never met. And I hope one day I'll meet them, but they're people that I've either read their books, I've gone to their conferences, I watch their YouTube videos, they inspire me and they give me what I need and I take what I need from them and I apply it. And that gives me so much inspiration. And I also try to like, with our, with our phones, with Instagram, with all the things that we have, I try to make my timeline really positive and uplifting so that the energy, like if I'm gonna put energy into social media, which takes so much from us, I make sure that what I'm looking at is always uplifting and positive so that even if I am spending some time doing that and being unproductive, I'm still getting, getting fed all that positive energy from a lot of the people that, I, that, are, that inspire me. So let me ask you this, because this is something that I think is, I think there's um, this like toxic positivity movement out there too. So how do you, what does that mean? What do you mean by toxic positivity? Elaborate for the listeners. I'll say that, Danielle. What? You don't know what that is? No. Positivity for me is like, um, it's this movement that doesn't allow you to feel what you feel. It's always like, well, look for the silver lining. Oh, well, it could be worse. Oh, you could be homeless. Oh, you could be, you know, you could be dead or whatever. And it's like, I think so many people or I think a lot of people, and I've heard it, especially like with the work that I do too, I get a lot of people who feel like they're constantly, you know, being told to feel this way, but they're never shown like the bridge to get there. So, um, so when I say toxic positivity, I just mean the type of positivity that, that feels a little bit suffocating because you not practical don't really connect with it do you know what i'm saying like the kind yeah, where I like, that. i'm happy like you're putting a happy face sticker over an empty gas tank and it's like the tank is still empty whether the sticker is there or not so how do you how do you manage that like for yourself how do you manage i mean we're gonna have negative things that happen we're gonna have 
double knee surgery. Well, I'm not going to, because I'm not going to do all that, but you are going to have it. Um, you know, we're going to have things that happen. How do you manage like the negative piece and how do you, or if you know this and some people don't know it, I mean, it's okay. I'm asking an odd question, but how do you bridge the gap? Cause that's interesting to me. Like how people bridge the gap to like get to the other place. That's a really great question because, um, I don't think a lot of the people out there who are preaching positivity talk a ton about times where they've had to deal with it or when they've been really down. And I'll say for me, um, whenever I do feel down or something bad happens, I think it's very important to feel and you need to experience those emotions because you have to recognize why something made you down or maybe made you feel negative. But I'm really, really strict with myself around how long I stay in that space. Uh -huh. So whereas maybe the average person, something really terrible happens, a death or an injury or something, they may be in mourning weeks, months even, and it carries on and it could even be something, you know, even more extreme for me. Like I will allow myself to be in that down space, maybe a couple hours, but then what the reason why is from like a young age, my mind has been trained by way of my parents and my coaching to always look at like, are you in control of it? Are you not in control of it? And then I assess it from there. So if I spend too long in that space of like mourning and negativity, then I feel like, well, you're not helping yourself. Like I literally like tell myself, this isn't helping you. What can you do to make yourself feel better? What can you do to change it? And then that's what starts causing me to like flip and then start being positive because you can't change that outcome. If you can change it, then focus on that. But if there's no way to change an outcome, you can, you know, obviously feel it. It's going to be, you know, more and whatever, but you have to be able to make a shift in your mind and say, okay, I know I can't change this. I respect this, but now let me focus on what's next. And I've been really, I'm really good at that, but I know that that's really challenging for other people, but I think it's a good thing to practice on a day-to-day -day basis. So like for the listeners that are on, you know, if you experience something negative or something happens, or maybe you're driving and somebody cuts you off and you start going into road rage, take a step back after you maybe cuss them out and say, okay, well, that, I can't change this. Let me, let me go ahead and let somebody go in front of me. Maybe that karma will come back and I'll be good the next time. Like, I don't know. That's how I am, but I've been in the car with people and they just literally are mad for the next 20 minutes and they, they don't let it, they don't let it leave. So yeah. my, my message is you can be mad. You can have an emotion. Don't hit people. You can, you can be mad. You can have an emotion, but quickly snap out of it. Like, try to practice how quickly you can get out of that and be back in a state of calm or state of positivity because it's not good to stay like that too long because it's harder to get out <laughs> once you are well, and also i think that those are like symptoms like i think that if you are getting super mad at people who are cutting you off or if like you get pissed off when you go to the store and somebody's blocking the aisle and you're like huffy and you're like irritated i always think like <laughs> you know, we're not walking the right way down the aisle now because we have ways. Oh, I know the arrows in public. I, I don't pay it. I, I told somebody the other day, you know, <laughs> they're like, oh, you're going the wrong way. And I'm like, listen, I'm not directional when I'm on the road and it's not going to like change when I'm in the grocery store. So love you. Keep it moving. Um, but like those are signs. It's like your timeline. Like if you get on your timeline, your social media and okay. you are getting upset, then usually like all that stuff is judged in like comparison or like based in judgment and comparison. Like that's why oh, yeah. you're getting upset in general. So I think 
like you said, I mean, yeah, definitely don't let yourself sit there too long. There's this meme that I have or this saying that's like, you know, you have five minutes to be emotional and then you got to get back to being a gangster. Like five minutes is great. We don't have time to like, so little stuff like that for sure. But like the things that keep popping up, it's always, I mean, it's obviously good to go back and do, you know, the work to like figure out what's going on. So, so what are like some of your, you know, favorite things that you do to get like amped up in a good space? And I have to tell you, you guys have to go look at Danielle's um, story because <laughs> she's always doing these workouts. And I'm like, how does she know to do that? Cause I'm like, if I went to go work out, I would, yeah, it sounds good, Danielle. But if I went to go work out, I'd be like, Hmm, I think I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A instead. <laughs> like, <laughs> if there's not somebody showing me what to do, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So is that just from, I'm seriously curious about that. Is that just from you working out over the years and you're yeah. like, oh, I remember this move. Oh, I remember that yeah honestly like whenever i do like little workout videos that i post often that's what she's talking about is literally like these are little exercises that i would do when i was training and they're ones that are like transferable into just normal cardio like i do a lot of like tennis specific stuff but it looks a little weird sometimes when you're just out and about doing tennis drills because people are like that's a little weird oh, so i've seen those where you're like Oh yeah, girl. I see you do that. But the one that like the other day you were doing this one where you were doing these, um, sit-ups, but you were on concrete. I'm like, yeah, what's up with that? Like, does that not hurt? What are you doing? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, that just brings me back to the days of like college tennis and having to be in pain doing exercises. Like I could literally do some, an exercise like anywhere because we'd have to like, just deal with it. So I'm just like, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. It's just you're a savage girl. No, thank you. But <laughs> to answer your your first question, like stuff that I do to kind of like hype me up and get me excited is every day um, I take my my gratitude journal and I'm gonna show it because it's like really cute. I just got them made, but I take like my my Headstrong gratitude journal and I write ten things that I'm grateful for mm -hmm. every morning, and then I go on my balcony and I scream out affirmations like I do like 10 nice. and people like my neighbors if they're out they think it's really crazy but that when I started doing my gratitude my affirmations and something else that I've added which is a little bit strange but I'm not going to talk about it publicly is that I smell money like I take my hundred dollar bills I take three <laughs> and I like smell them and I envision like money's in abundance like it's coming to me like and, I, and then I've been doing that now for like a couple months and it's been really, really good. <laughs> you know, like yeah. those, those three things have really make, awesome. they make my day go. And then in addition to that, working out. So like mm -hmm. I have to work out in the morning. I can't work out in the evening. Um, I'm so tired after work to think to like go work out. Like I'd much rather wake up and after doing that, going and working out, then I feel so accomplished for the rest of the day. Yeah, those are pretty cool because I mean, anything sensory is so yes. cool. like people yeah, don't know. Like it's very good. Yeah, anything you can do. Like I do things like program certain um, words in my phone for names for people that I talk to a lot. If there's something that I'm oh. like, okay, I'm heading this direction, so I might name you know my son, my publisher, or something because I know he's gonna call, and I'm like, oh look, my publisher is calling. Great. That is amazing. I always pick up something when I talk with you. Like that is so dope. Yeah, it's <laughs> like those that. are like great. Like but yours was too. I mean, I love stuff like that. And 
um, coming up with like the creative ways to like, how can we, um, you know, just bring more, more happiness, more, you know, the things are great. Like we know the things are great, but the happiness is like so, so important. Um, so tell me more about like your business and what, what that is, what it looks like, what inspired you to create it? Um, Headstrong, what do you do? You know, give me all the details. Yeah. So, so Headstrong is a mindset mentorship company. So basically I work with a lot of people. Most of my demographic is female. So I'm going to cater more to that. But in the beginning, I didn't know who I was going to cater to. I was like, I want to help everybody, but I'm I'm finding that. Yeah. Right. Like we want to cater to everybody, but you find out that you probably should like narrow it down a little bit. So I find that a lot of the the people I work with are women who are dealing with confidence and self-esteem issues. And that's a lot of women. That's basically almost everybody. So a lot of people deal with that. And basically like what I try to help these um, women do is identify things that they can do on a day-to-day basis to help change their thought process. And a lot of what it comes down to is eliminating their self-talk because they do a lot of negative self-talk on a day-to-day basis. And that actually prevents them from trying to interview for that job that they think that they should get or speaking up in a, in a meeting or, you know, their, their boyfriend is being mean to them and they're not like, there's so many scenarios and it literally can be from like a work standpoint or or personal, but the mindset is what's affecting everything. Mm -hmm. And I find that by like peeling back the layers and a lot of it comes down to upbringing, childhood and abusive relationships. That's what I'm finding through my work. It's always stemming from those three things. And once you can kind of peel back that and really get to the root of it and then build that person up, then they actually feel like, okay, I can do this where they're so used to being beat down, which is so unfortunate, but that is really common. And it's just really rewarding to, to see the progress. And that's what really makes me happy is just seeing like somebody who initially doesn't really portray confidence or walk in a room and have presence to, to flip and be that person that's walking in the room. Like, Hey, I'm here. What's up? Like that to me is like the most rewarding part of the work that I do. But yeah, (laughs) no doubt. I mean, that's um, yeah, that's super cool. And the focus part of it, I mean, we don't, you know, we don't stay present enough no we don't pay attention enough like I was just ta- I just caught myself literally earlier talking shit to myself really? about what yeah. I had on yeah and I'm like dude like what's your problem get over yourself but, you know but that you I, checked yourself like you yeah. were able to check yourself instead of letting yourself hold you back you know right. and that's the thing is that because when you know a belief is just a thought you keep thinking Yes. Not this, you know, we get in these places where like, oh, well, this is just how I am. And it's like, no, it's not not. how you've chosen (laughs) to be. And you get to make a new decision every single day. Um, So yeah, no, I love that. So, so yeah, so you're helping people like interviews or whatever, whatever they need to like, take it to the next level. Yes. So for that side of it, that work is so beautiful because there's so many people in all different industries that either have a LinkedIn or they don't have a LinkedIn. So I work with certain people who never thought that they needed one or they didn't see the value in it. And I work with them on creating a profile and making it like be awesome. And then I work with a lot of people who have a page, but they just never fully, they're like, oh, I'm happy in my job. So like their page just looks very blah because they don't, people, a lot of people just think LinkedIn is for when you need a job. 
or when you need to get a new career or need to get a promotion when really your LinkedIn is your virtual resume. So at any time, at any point, anybody that's reputable, whoever wants to look about, look at you or want to network with you is going to check that place first because yeah. that is the place that's going to show who you are and your credibility in your professional realm. And if it looks very like nonchalant or there was no effort put in or your profile picture is you with three other people, which I see a lot, right. you know, a lot of people don't know how to use the app correctly. So I work with a lot of people around that and help them get the, the roles that they want. And then by way of that, help with interviewing and help with resume and, and everything like that. So you do a whole LinkedIn piece with it. Like you yes. do a whole LinkedIn. LinkedIn like the STEM, but then usually by way of that, then you get like, oh, now I have the interview. How do I do that? And then right. I actually make the resume good, even though people don't really look at the resume, but you need it to look good still. So you still got to send it, but everybody's looking at your LinkedIn. Right. When it comes That's to like- That's pretty cool. I feel like you could be a great asset to like real estate agents too. Because I have a lot of real estate agents who listen Plug to me. <laughs> to this podcast. Well, I have a lot yeah. of agents that listen to this podcast. I mean, you know, like that's my thing. And I am social media on the other side, but you know, LinkedIn is something that I think a lot of people are not sure about. If you right. don't get the same, um, I want to say almost like instant gratification as you do on Instagram or Facebook. Hmm. I said, I disagree. And the reason- Okay, okay, good. Let me hear it. Yeah, I disagree because the reason why you don't get the instant gratification is because you're not putting out content. And the platforms that people put out the most content are Facebook and Instagram. But on LinkedIn, you don't see a lot of people putting out content. And it's about, and I teach video content because that's like the kind of content that grabs people the most. Mm -hmm. And as a real estate agent, what I would say is you should be doing videos under two minutes, mm -hmm. twice a week on LinkedIn, but showing people your personality, showing people you because they are gonna buy into you and wanna work with you. You're always gonna present beautiful homes, but in real estate, you gotta brand yourself. So it's all about how do you put yourself out there and be the expert on real estate in LinkedIn, which there's yeah. not a ton of realtors doing that because it's a, it's a platform that's not being utilized correctly by 80% of the people on there, but there's a <laughs> Yes, girl, yes, that's what I want to say. Like, I feel like I'm, I say confused. Is it like, you know, sometimes you see people putting personal stuff. Is it all just business? Like, is it just business, no personal views, no nothing, you just talk business on it? I would say that you want to keep it business 70% of the time and personal 30, but make sure that the personal you do put on there is something that could be widely viewed and okay like i would on linkedin i would not be political i would not be getting into like basically all of the protected classes that you're not allowed to speak about at work i wouldn't speak about those on on linkedin but uh -huh. i would you could still be personal about things i would automatically you, be fired then from linkedin i'd be like get off of here <laughs> no you wouldn't because <laughs> it's not facebook it's different than facebook yeah. Because Facebook is where you go to, 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 to do all of that. But think of like LinkedIn as like a professional environment, but you can still give them your personality and give them flair, but it's still like by way of how you're presenting a house or talking or giving tips or, you know, I'm speaking about real estate agents, but you know, like there's a lot of ways to show you without being like this, I'm an open book. Like, you know? Right. I mean, what do you think, what do you think the benefit is of that over Facebook? Or over I, would say, 
Yeah, that's a great point. I would say the benefit is you in link on LinkedIn, you're, you're, you're reaching an audience of people who have the finances to, to work with you because it's all professionals in a professional environment. And there's, I believe it's 50 or 60 million people on LinkedIn. There's a lot of people on LinkedIn and they're and on LinkedIn. A lot of people are like watching not a lot of like, engaging and unless you have really good content people won't comment and like but they're but they'll see it and right. it has the most organic visibility so on facebook instagram a lot of our stuff a lot of our posts are getting not getting seen and you're not getting the work you're putting in but on a linkedin you will actually get pushed out to more people and you could actually blow up faster like the organic the way you can grow organically is that much better on linkedin because they haven't even started anything paid yet like we're still back when remember facebook was organic like everybody saw your stuff now like 10 percent of your following sees your stuff yeah no yeah. it's so true if you look at you know any of the platforms and you start looking at i always say like you can have a ton of followers and a ton of friends but if you're not getting engagement on those or a certain percent it's like okay what's the deal and if um, they're not converting into business then what does it matter you know like i would say no, that's it's so my, true linkedin is my highest performing platform out of all of them because the people on there actually take action and they have the finances to do so which is also good you don't want a bunch of people to watch your stuff but then they can't work with you because they can't afford what you have you know yeah that's no that's really smart i feel like linkedin is something i need to put effort into and i need to get it together so i think i'm gonna do it <laughs> so <laughs> oh i gotta do it well i have found for me at least i am a one social media person like app person so it's like where am i putting the majority of my energy that like i have to like when i wanted to grow my instagram i was like okay i'm going in i'm growing my instagram like this was my goal mm -hmm. and it wasn't casual it was i was ready to go yeah, yeah it was different so um and i did it so that i think that when you have uh, you know, all of these platforms, people go, oh, brand yourself. What do I do? I have to get on. And then it's like, it's overwhelming. And you're like, okay, forget it. I'm just going to go back to go watch some whatever. Netflix. Go watch some Netflix. Yeah, right. And I would uh, say be consistent. Like, no matter what you do, you have to be consistent. And so many people think, oh, well, I posted like two videos. Why don't I have all this business? And why don't I have all these followers? It's like, no, no, no. Every yeah. week. Are you putting content out every week? Are you consistent? Is your messaging similar? Do you come off the same? Like, are, if somebody looks at your feed, do they see consistency and professionalism in what you're doing? It's not just like here and there and you're here for one month and then they don't see you for six months and then you're back again. Like consistency, no matter what the platform, my advice would be to be consistent because then people will see you as the expert. And once you're the expert, you're the go-to for what they want. Yeah, and I also have nuts, absolutely perfect advice because consistency is like what it's all about and one thing that i've noticed with every single platform and i don't think that it changes i don't know you would know better on linkedin than i would but um but um using all the features is really a good way to get well i guess if you're saying it's all organic it doesn't matter if it's all like I know for Instagram, when I grew my Instagram and I was growing it by like a hundred a day, like I was really getting traction there. I wasn't paying or doing any weird stuff, but I was also using. Because hmm, whether you were growing it organically, so many people take the easy way out and just buy a bunch of 
following, but then they don't have engagement. It's like, that doesn't help you. What's the point? Like, yeah, I wanted to use it because that would be, well, Facebook, I get a lot of business too. So I guess I get them from both, but yeah. you know, but one of the reasons is because I was using the stories and the, the IGTV and I was using DMs and I was doing video and content on my feed. So, you know, an engagement. So, but I, is that even, that might not even be the case on LinkedIn if it's all organic. Yes, because in LinkedIn, think of it like a two-way street. So as you're looking through your timeline, you need to be engaging with other people's posts. You should be liking posts that you find interesting, commenting on posts that you agree with or disagree with, and creating that. Because LinkedIn, like the other apps, looks at your activity and kind of rewards you for playing the game. Like if you are active on there and being an active participant, when you post something, it's more inclined that it will show it to more people so that they will do that for you. But if you constantly just watch and don't do anything, they know that. It's almost like they know you're not playing. Yeah, alone. Big Brother yeah. is watching. It's like Big Brother's watching, <laughs> absolutely. And it's kind of a good, a good concept because if you, like, why would you want to take and not give? You know, you always should, should want to be trying to help other people and, and really use the platform for networking and engaging. And you learn a lot of amazing things on LinkedIn because it's all like, business people and they're all sharing advice and articles and stories and things. So you can really like get a lot of value from it, but also put out value. So it's like both. Uh, I think, you know what, with the political climate and all of the craziness right now, yeah. I think this is an excellent invitation for everybody to check out Danielle, see what she's got going on, get some, some Instagram, I mean, some LinkedIn, you know, 411 from you, because I feel like this is like, I'm having this epiphany <laughs> that I'm like, you know what, <laughs> this could be the perfect time. Yes. So Instagram, I mean, to grow LinkedIn, I keep wanting to call LinkedIn Instagram. Yeah, it is because like you're, you're so unique. Like each one of us is so unique and we have such different aspects about us that if we share that with others, like I did a post yesterday talking about what's, what advice would you give your younger self on, on all of the platforms I posted on? Cause a lot of the content I do, I kind of recycle around on LinkedIn. I got the best engagement and I had all these people commenting about the advice that they would give themselves and everybody's commenting, but it's like great advice that everybody can learn. Yeah. from. So I was like, I wanted to put that post out there because I knew it would provide value by way of the comments and you know, so that's the kind of stuff you got to think about on LinkedIn. What kind of value can I add my audience? And if you provide value, you'll always get it back tenfold. Yeah. No, yeah. that's super smart. I feel the same way even about Instagram. I mean, yeah. if you're, you should, like, if you're going to post, give value, you know, that's the whole thing is so many people are very me-centered versus yeah. what can I do for you? Like, yep. and that's what people like, let's be honest. That's what people want to know when they're engaging with you. It's like, why would I engage with you? Oh, because you can help me figure out how to use LinkedIn uh, in a way that's going to get me business. Okay, great. Now I know why I want to be, you know, uh, follow you or whatever it is that you do on, on what do you do on LinkedIn? I know <laughs> I have like a ton of contacts on there. Uh, I think you just follow people, right? You connect with people. Oh, connect. Right. LinkedIn is connections until you have 30,000 and then they can only follow you. But most people, it's about your connections. And another point in a value add I'll, I'll sell to your listeners about LinkedIn is the power of networking. Like you've never taken advantage of networking until you've utilized LinkedIn. 
because if you use the platform correctly, engage with people, and then they get into your, it, I guess they, they don't really call it a DM on LinkedIn. It's called like your inbox. Yeah. And you actually get off of that platform and set up a Zoom call with somebody 20 minutes and really kind of, I've done that now over the, over the course of the pandemic, like 12 times. And all of those have resulted in business opportunities for both parties. Like just by way of the collaboration, because it's all about collaboration and networking. Cause it's not like, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? It's all like, how can we help each other? Because mentorship is never one-sided networking should never be one-sided nobody wants to just give and like not you know what i mean so that's why it's so awesome like if you got on there and started doing a lot of posts and engaging people would be like hey rebecca i want to collaborate with you you think you'd be great can you go speak and speak in front of my my uh my audience and you'd be like yeah and then by doing that you get more exposure and then the exposure could lead to more business that's that's, like just by way of going in there with the mindset of being open to engaging and networking and, and, you know, so what do you do? This is a personal question. Okay. (laughs) Personal question about LinkedIn. Cause one of the things that throws me off. So on Facebook, I can list different, like I can have different Facebook pages and I would have different business pages. So for instance, my son has a business that I'm going to be kind of helping him with we want a page for that. Then I have a page for my, she's unoffendable, um, sort of my coaching side of things. Um, and so like, how would you do that on LinkedIn? Do you have separate LinkedIn accounts for each business that you have, or could you umbrella it all under one? That's a great question. So on LinkedIn, if you have your own businesses or things that you're wanting to do, you literally create a business page on LinkedIn, but then on your personal page, you say, that you are the owner of, and then you can link that page. And then you could say like, just whatever, like if later, if you want, like, look at my page as an example, like on my page, it shows that I'm the CEO and founder of Headstrong, but it also shows that I'm the host of the Headstrong podcast. And then it shows like my day job and what I do. And like, you can literally in your experience, in your experience, that's where you can see all the different companies you worked for, or you own, or you have. So that's why you could put your nonprofits, your companies will be in your experience. And then what I teach is making sure that your headline is very powerful so that you could put some of that in your headline and kind of boast you up when people are searching. They're like, oh, Rebecca, she does all these things. You know, right. like that's kind of some of the stuff that I teach <laughs> because most people just put what their current role is and that's just not, it's not that's not exciting. Like I teach like you got to campaign a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you got to give, give the people what they want. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You, you absolutely can link your, but they'd be in your experience. I got to go check that out. I think, yeah. I don't know. I feel like vaguely I've looked at that and then I'm like, hey, I don't know about that. Yeah. You can literally create a company and then like within it, you're like, how many employees do I have? And then you'd like do all the parts of it. And then once you do that, then on your actual profile, then you can say like, Rebecca started a new role at the company that you have. Then you're like the owner. And then like, it just adds oh. to your Hmm, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to play with that a little bit and check it yeah. out. I'm gonna have to check it out. Well, if you guys are interested in Danielle's book or you know connecting with her, I highly recommend going and finding her. She's on every platform, and um, she's like super inspirational, motivational. So it's funny that you let that you talked about this a minute ago because the the ending question because i've been seeing it floating around everywhere is what is the one piece of advice that you would give your younger self like 
I, you know, I think that that's a, such a loaded question because I feel like there's not just one. I need a book and I need to like give her a lot of them. <laughs> Yeah. So what is, what is your like most valuable piece of advice that you would give your younger self? So the most valuable advice that I would give my younger self, I'll say this again, cause I did just do this yesterday. So thank you for picking something that I know, <laughs> but um, it would be to be present because when I was younger, I was, I had a really, really cool life where I was traveling the world. I was training so many hours a day. I was a pro tennis player. I had like this cool life, but I did it. I took it for granted and I didn't truly value what I had. And I wasn't living in the moment. I was always just focusing on like, I got to win. I got to win. What's next? Where are we at next? Okay. I'm in Australia. Okay. I lost. Okay. Let's go to the next country. Like I literally was on autopilot and I wasn't present in what I was doing. And I only realized after retiring and also after reading the book, The Power of Now, that the present moment, great book, yeah. The present moment that you're in is so important because the future is not promised. The past, you can't change. Focus on the present. And if I could give anybody advice listening is be present and don't take the present for granted because it's so awesome. Like this moment we're having right now is like amazing. And like, I'm here with you in this moment. And I love that, but I didn't have that back then, like when I was in my night in the teens and twenties, like I was too busy thinking about like what's next versus embracing these awesome countries I was in and all these awesome things I was doing. Like, and now I'm like, that was so cool. And people think it's so cool, but I was like, "Ah, it's whatever. So yeah, just, just be present and enjoy the, enjoy the now. And I love that because, well, you know, I'm a big believer in being present, but I love that because the present moment is the only time that you have real power. Like that is where yeah. all your power is hanging out. And so, like I was saying, you know, this podcast is all about, you know, finding your power, you know, using your power, keeping your power. And it, cause it's something that I've struggled with, or I, you know, I struggled with for a lot of growing up. And so it's so, so important to me. And I, I love that advice because it's really rounds it all out and brings us yeah. all back together. So I cannot thank you enough. This is awesome. You have given us so much good information. Um, so many good gems about LinkedIn, about, I keep wanting to call it Instagram still. I know. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, but, but you have been awesome. Thank you so, so much. You guys don't forget, go check out Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being on here and I wish you all the best. You're going to absolutely crush it. This podcast is phenomenal. Oh yeah. Yeah. And don't forget to go check out your Headstrong podcast because I could say the same thing about yours. All right, y'all. I'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye guys.